the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. This is about a month ago. Myself and advance my interest, even if that means putting uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. So she's testimony. If I want to run a campaign that is entirely funded by corporate political action committees, is that is there anything that legally prevents me from doing that? No. So let's say I'm a really, really bad guy, and let's say I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up. So that I can get I wonder who she's talking about. Um, Mr. Smith, is it true that you wrote this article, this opinion piece for the Washington Post entitled, These Payments to Women Were Unseemly, That Doesn't Mean They Were Illegal? Well, I can't see the piece, but I wrote a piece under that headline in the Post, so I assume that's right. Okay, great. So, green light for hush money. I can do all sorts of terrible things. It's totally legal right now for me to pay people off. So, I use my special interest dark money funded campaign to pay this off. This is before she's accused of using dark money. I know. That's, so I thought she was talking about I'm herself. In, I've got the power <laughs> to draft, lobby, and shape the laws that govern the United States of America. Are there any limits on the laws that I can write or influence. There's no limit. So there's none. So I can be totally funded by oil and gas. I can be totally funded by big pharma. Come in, write big pharma laws, and there's no limits to that whatsoever. That's right. The last thing I want to do is get rich with as little work possible. I That's thought that was everybody's her. goal. In I was going right? to say, yeah. So is there anything preventing me? She got used to the swamp real quick. Stocks, yeah. Say, in an oil or gas company, and then writing laws to deregulate that that industry and cause you know that could potentially cause the stock value to soar she's got the god of fry going on carrie you know? oh i know you could do that so i could do that i could do that now with the way our current laws are are set up uh. <laughs> yes. yes okay 
Okay, great. Is it possible that any elements of this story apply to our current government and our current public to myself? Right now? <laughs> yes. Most? Yes. So we have a system that is fundamentally broken. There we go. So she's oh, yeah. figured she, it she out. she talking about herself? Was there like some she, foreshadowing yeah. going on? She's figured out that the system is fundamentally broken and she is going to fix it. <laughs> um, you know, and By then, taxing us all to death. Like I said, so that's Sandy. But and of course, special privileges. That was her. about a month before just recently when all of a sudden she's accused of using dark pack money mm-hmm. to fund her own right. illegal or illegally. S- mm. Supposedly, right. So, do you think everyone needs to get lawyers' guns and money in our Congress? I mean, the the point I'm making is, with all this going on, is anyone getting anything done? No. You know, so they are going to go after Trump's. Is they're going to go after his tax? That's what they want, right? right? So again. We're talking about March Madness. What about Madness. doing their job and making laws and improvements and working on the government's budget? I would think they have a job to do. Okay, but so so who's who gets Trump's tax returns, Gary? Who has the power to do that? I don't well, know. Richard Neal, he is the um, House Ways and Means Committee chairman, right, in the House. Okay. So it's actually... He's got, I guess, the power to ask the U.S. Treasury Department to hand over the returns. Okay. Okay. Now, on the Senate side, that would fall to Chuck Grassley, you know, who is the Senate's finance chairman, Mm -hmm. um, committee chairman, right? So as head of the the main Senate tax writing committee, he has authority to view anyone's tax returns, including the president's. Okay. All right. No, but he's not going to, you know, he's, you know, he's not going to go in after Trump's tax returns. It's the Democrats, right? right. It's, it's Richard Neal. So everyone's waiting. Well, and then, and of course, to, to go to the Treasury Department, they've got to go to the Swamp King, you know, Stephen Munition, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not certain that he'll comply. Right. Because he's kind of Trump's buddy. All right. So then what happens? Okay, well, so, you know, why are the Democrats? Well, the Democrats are demanding Trump's tax returns, right, to investigate whether or not his CPA's planning strategies could help them reduce their own tax. Oh, I'm sorry, Gary, I misspoke there. I was going to say, really? Yeah, they have a genuine interest to learn about I'm, his tax threat. Let's I'm, have, I'm sorry, I misspoke there, Karen. This is a learning experience. I, I'd right? like, yeah, what if we okay. audit every politician's tax return? Okay, so the Democrats are demanding Trump's tax returns to investigate whether he has complied with tax laws to examine his business dealings overseas and to figure out who his debtors are. Republicans uh, argue Dems are abusing their authority to single out a political foe by invading Trump's privacy, right? So we don't know. So first of all, um, Richard Neal hasn't put a timetable on when he's going to send this request to the ammunition, the Secretary uh, Treasury. Um, so we don't really know when he's going to do that. We Everyone believes he will do that. Now, so what happens if the Treasury Secretary denies or slow walks the request, right? Hmm. Well, then they're saying the Democrats are likely to sue which could lead to a protracted legal battle to obtain the document. How much is that going to cost the government? 
Exactly. Why don't you get us started? That's ridiculous. Anyway, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational radio talk program to talk about issues that can impact your financial life, hopefully make you aware of planning strategies and issues so you get a better result. We are sponsored by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team has been in the Cleveland area for more than 34 years, providing people unbiased objective advice and analysis and building long-term conservative realistic plans so that people understand how short-term decisions affect the longevity of their plan and also use help people use the opportunities and avoid the traps and the complicated tax code. And certainly if people are working or helping people know what kind of lifestyle they can have based on different retirement dates, or if you're in retirement, um, how do you create the tax income that you need tax efficiently? And could you spend more? How to address those financial challenges and much more? And the estate planning team are accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau, also super service award winners, multiple years of Angie's list for due diligence. We offer a free, no obligation consultation for people who want to come in and see how our process is different. We're not investment advisors. In fact, most of our clients either have investment advisors already in place that we work with or they do the investments on their own. Um, what we do is we look at your assets in terms of risk growth and tax efficiently, efficiency and also look at what growth rate is needed to make the plan last. So we offer the free consultation. And if you sit down or if you provide us information, we'll actually run preliminary analysis and we'll look at your long-term effective tax rate. Um, are you underspending, overspending? Are there problems you're not aware of? Are there potential traps um, or opportunities that you could take advantage of? So we offer the free no-obligation consultation. We also have some planning classes coming up. We have March 13th, which is next week at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights, is our retirement planning class for people in retirement or thinking about their future retirement years and talking about issues that impact your lifestyle and long-term financial stability. Retirement rules you often hear about that you may consider breaking, updates on tax law changes, spending issues, and much more. And that's March 13th at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights. It's free to attend. We have some great handouts that include the updated tax tables. To register for the class or for a free consultation, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And you're listening to Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 34 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And this is our March madness, you Mm -hmm. know, and. And it's a and you're not talking about basketball. Not talking about the college basketball. Um, talking about tax filing season, and it's just this is a, an, a, an exceptionally mad year, Carrie. Oh, you think? In more ways than one, um, because one thing is we're coming off the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you know, which was you know a 2018 the tax return that we're all working on right now is the first year under the new law. So there's a lot of you know people learning about. That, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Carrie, like, uh, like, uh, you know, Omar says, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Oh, um, and there's a lot of people who are getting shocked because their refunds aren't as high as they thought they were going to be or that they owe money, um, not even getting a refund. And, and they're getting really upset. They're getting really upset. And, and, and you know, the 
And there's already been some relief that Congress has, you know, waived penalties. Well, yeah, what I'm trying to say, so support so of the IRS saying, IRS, go ahead. And because one of them is, you know, based on the current year safe harbor. In other words, it's OK to owe money on April 15th unless you owe too much. Right? Mm-hmm. If you owe too much, you could be penalized for underestimated taxes. So under the current year safe harbor, that rule is typically that you have to have at least 90 percent of your actual tax liability paid in timely. And if you miss that, then the penalties could start accruing Mm -hmm. interest. And if it's substantial, you know, uh, penalty on top of interest calculation. Mm -hmm. Well, that 90 percent rule for this year only for 2018, the you know, the government says they want the IRS to knock that down to 85 percent. Give people a little wiggle room because of the payroll taxes got changed and there were a lot of issues with the W-4s early in 2018. So in case you didn't make the correct adjustment, because most people didn't have a choice, payroll the payroll departments did that automatically. And the good thing is, though, people might have got more in your check. Right. Which is why people, part of the confusion, I got more out throughout the rest of the year. So now I owe on April 15th. Right. But technically, maybe my total tax is less. Right. So we've been talking about that. And by the way, you know, March is when we're doing our focus on income tax planning. So if you want to go back and catch the earlier shows, you can always do that. By right. Oh, I was going to say, because last week, Mark, you talked about how to compare to do a, uh, um, apples to apples comparison, whether you look at the total tax and you talked about different philosophies and looking at and that, that I was just telling you, if people want to go back to last week's show, if you missed it, we get you get into a lot of detail on how to compare those. Right. And that's you can go to the uh, WHK 1420 website, the answer and look for local podcasts and just click on that button. And they've got and we're and find our time slot Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. And there's a history of our shows there. And you can go back and listen to uh, some of the um, other the, the topics that, again, this month we're focusing on. March Madness. But now the government is going, well, it's going one step further, Carrie. So this 85% current year safe harbor rule is in place. Mm-hmm. But again, only for 2018. Right. <laughs> it's not a permanent change, right? But just recently this week, the Democrats came out with something else, okay? The Democrats actually proposed a bill to delay the April 15th Tax filing deadline. Why? That's always been unless it falls on a week. I mean, that's ridiculous. Because they're saying that Americans are getting screwed because of the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. They're they're being blindsided. They did they they you know they did they thought they were getting to get less taxes and they're getting surprised because their refunds are smaller or they owe more taxes than they thought. So they need more time to prep. Plus, they're saying because of the government shutdown, they couldn't call the IRS to get help. Well, isn't it always difficult to, I'm sorry, it has always been difficult to get the IRS and get help. I mean, you can, years ago, you were on hold for two hours. Right. And now they're saying it's at least three. And, and, oh, and okay. The, but the, <laughs> but the idea is, I mean, Carrie, when was the last time I filed a tax return on April 15th? I don't know that you've ever filed it. I think maybe when I was working for pick and pay, you know, when I was 16. <laughs> I was going to say. But I mean, the idea is. There are there is already a, a, an extension, extension right. you know, automatic extension. But the difference is the extension, of course, doesn't give you a time to extend the taxes due. Right. So what the what the Dems are doing is they want to push the 
April 15th deadline back to May 20th. And I'm sure what they want is to push back the time that you have to pay the taxes. Okay, but in all honesty, people got more out through the year. In most cases. Um, You know, so I don't know. This is not law. This is just a bill that was proposed. So stay tuned. All right. What else happened this week? Jobs report. Okay, the big joke there, right? 20,000, you know, farm payrolls. Everybody thought it was a a misprint. Everyone thought, gee, did somebody forget to put another zero after the Mm -hmm. 20,000? No, it wasn't a misprint. The actual jobs were 20,000. Okay. That wasn't too exciting. Unemployment rate ticked back down to 3.8% from the previous month's 4%. Wage growth average hourly earnings ticked up 0.4%. So that takes the year over year up 3.4%. That's going in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Unemployment going down. Average hourly earnings going up. That's what we all want, right? Right. The 20,000 jobs. hmm, Not sure about that. Um, how, you know, we also got the trade deficit numbers this week. Okay. Uh, okay. A new 10-year high, Carrie. Hmm. $891 billion for 2018. It's just hard high. to get my head around those numbers. So what is a trade deficit? That's the amount by which the cost of a country's imports exceeds the value of its exports. And why? Why is this happening? Well, there's four major reasons. Um, one is the global economic slowdown. Okay. That, you know, uh, combined with the relative strength of the U.S. dollar, you know, you add those two together, that means, you know, overseas demand for U.S. goods goes way down. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, so that's the big reason. But then the third major reason that, you know, the experts are claiming is because of this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act I was just referring to. You know, the one point five trillion, you know, uh, that basically right now the government's financing that. Right. Okay, because the tax revenues may be a few years before they, you know, the growth. See, what Trump keeps saying is that eventually it'll pay for itself. Right. But if you don't collect the tax till later. Well, now if the Dems want to push it to May, that's delaying even (laughs) the government. It's not so much for that. It's just how corporations, it's just the whole cycle. But he said eventually um, that that will recover, you know, over the 10 years that that one point five trillion, you know, was set, you you, you know, the growth, the GDP growth and, and everything else will recover that. And, of course, the fourth one that people still are pointing their fingers at is the China trade war. If it is a trade war, I don't know. Carrie, did you check this morning? Is it is it China trade for trade war know. on or off right I, now? I don't really know. You know, um, so you know, so so a lot of people say mm, eight hundred ninety one billion. Uh, Who cares? I care. Don't I mean, worry. Yeah, everything's fine. U.S. is the strongest economy. It's the only one that's doing anything. So we'll just yeah take more taxes if we get into trouble again, right? Um, so, you know, that's what's going on with there. Um, so what is this helping? You know, so with, with the March Madness, you got to be careful, Carrie, about the tax scams that are out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the IRS dirty dozen tax scams. All right? Okay. So, so we, we talk about this every once in a while because people still get. Well, yeah. Look how many millions of dollars that people are. Okay. Um, 
taken advantage of every year. And and one of them is, of course, is the identity theft, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we need to talk or warn people about that? No. But, but I don't know what you can do. I think if everybody, anybody who wants my social security number, Carrie, I think they have it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the the uh, the stolen identity is the most intrusive and challenging type of fraud to reverse. Okay. Um, and so basically the criminals, what they want is they want to steal your social security number and file a fraudulent tax return and claim a refund before you even blink your eyes. Right. Right. Um, how do you protect against this? Well, see, the one point is if you can protect yourself against this, if you, if it does happen to you, it will get straightened out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do think you'll be able to prove to the IRS that you haven't filed your tax return right. yet. Right. Um, part of that, Carrie, too, I believe, is when we went to electronic filings. Oh, yeah, because now everything's going through, even if it's encrypted. Yeah, or I don't file electronic Oh, filing. you don't? Um, now, um, but I think, you know, that's part of the problem. Um, now, so what do they say? Well, always, you know, shred your important documents, you know, use strong passwords, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. Okay, what else? Phone scams. Here, again, Carrie. The IRS, and I had those a couple years ago, will not call you and threaten to send the police to your door or jail time or, and they're very persistent. And I know the new one I got this year was instead of a live person telling me this was so-and-so, the IRS agent, if you don't pay your tax bill, now it's like a robot call. Right. And, and if, and I know a lot of listeners are saying, Mark, I'm not that dumb. But some of these people are convincing. Okay. Well, then talk to your mom and dad. Right. Or talk to your brother. Mm-hmm. Or talk to somebody who's not as smart as you. Well, and I think sometimes if people just aren't aware, it's not as much that they're dumb. They're just not aware. And these people are convincing. Or I think because they threaten, people are afraid, you know. Right. The, you know, next time somebody calls you and they say they're from the IRS and they say if you don't give them your credit card right now, they're going to send someone over to arrest you. All right. Ask them to put Chuck Reddick on the phone. Right. And see if they and if uh, they say they don't know who the that is. Uh, yeah. Um, now. All right. Email phishing. Mm-hmm. OK, so not only does the IRS not call you. Right. Um, beware of scammers, you know, sending fake emails, you know, saying that they're from the IRS, you know, with links to websites that are designed to steal personal information. Right. OK. Um so always be wary of emails from unknown sources and avoid clicking on links to websites that you're not familiar with. Here it is. The IRS will never communicate with you about a bill or refund via email. Right. So not only does the IRS not make personal telephone calls. You're going to get. They also don't send out bills through email. You're going to get snail mail, regular mail. Okay. Um, so those are some of the. Um, those are some of the scams. Uh, also, they, you know, IRS warns about don't get, you know, if, if people are saying, if, if if somebody is proposing a way to save taxes and it seems a little bit too good to be true, mm-hmm. you know, those could be charitable scams, um, you know, false business deductions, um, things like that, Ta- you know, the newest tax shelters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, you better be really, you know, diligent to see are these you know, really, are are these just scams, you know, mm-hmm. designed to get personal information from you? Um, all right. So what else do we want to talk about? 
Yes. Now, Carrie, in April, or not sorry, in April, in February, mm -hmm. we were concentrating or focusing on Encore Careers. Right. right? And, those, and those shows are still out there on the podcast. But a lot of, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Mark, I got to get out of the rat race, right? I can't work the 60 hours a week anymore, but I don't think I'm financially independent. I'm going to need to do something. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are, are going into, you know, they're looking for a side hustle or an encore career or a business, maybe independent contracting where it's more of a scale down, right? right. It might not be the full time. It may be the part time. And but they may also be switching from a W two employee to a uh, independent contractor, where the people that they're working for are going to issue them a ten ninety nine miscellaneous, right? Meaning they're not going to be handled like an employee, mm -hmm. right? They're going to be paid. It's not under the table, right? They're going to be issued a ten ninety nine miscellaneous, right? Which means no taxes are going to be withheld. Right. There's going to be, you know, and, and typically because of that, they're, you know, when they're not treating you like an employee, they're, you know, the, that employee, that, that, well, that person who's paying you mm -hmm. is not going to withhold, not only if you, they won't withhold federal or Ohio withholdings or local withholdings. No Social Security right, or Medicare. They're not on the hook for paying your payroll taxes, your Social Security and your Medicare. That falls upon you. You know, now all of a sudden you become what, sometimes we refer to as the self-employed individual. All right. Um, so is, is, is that the end of the world? No. No, it's but just, you better plan for it. Right. It just, you know, it just changes things, right? And so if you do get a 1099 miscellaneous, don't ignore it. Right. Because that's going to the government as well. Right. Right? Then you are going to get fan mail. Right. Um, now, so how do you do that? Well, you're probably going to, you know, end up filing a Schedule C. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the form that you file with your 1040 tax return, and that's where you'll report this, you know, self-employment income. income. Right. And then also, though, you you know, if you've never, if you if you're going this route, you want to get familiar with that, but or you know, work with professionals who can help you, you know, navigate that if you've never done it before. And the idea is you'll also see the list of potential business deductions, expenses that you can deduct rightfully for that self-employment business. Right. Because if you incur expenses to help you do run this business, just like the uh, corporation, you right. get to deduct You can those. offset it from the 1099 income. Now, they have to be substantiated. Right. Right. That's why a lot of times the professionals will say, if you're creating a self-employment business, don't commingle your income and expenses with your personal. Right. It's better to have a separate checking account or have really good records, keep have receipts. Separate, have a separate credit card for the business than your personal credit card. If you're if you got uh, if you have to drive for this self employment business, keep accurate, you know, mileage logs. And I mean mileage logs. Mm -hmm. I mean like written, formal, right. daily logs mm -hmm. where you're tracking your miles. What's business use, what's right, personal, personal use? Okay. Um, and by the way, you've got to be aware that you may or you will owe payroll taxes, you know, the 12.4 mm -hmm. percent Social Security tax and the 2.9 Medicare tax. Mm -hmm. right? um, now. You, a lot of people say, well, Mark, when do I pay those? 
And it's back to the same thing. You know, you, you can pay it at the end of the year. Right. In other words, when you file your 1040 with the Schedule C, you'll also fill out the Schedule SE. That's where it calculates. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, using a, if you're using a professional, they'll be doing this for you. Or if you're using one of the robots, the robots can walk you through that. By the way, if you're using one of the robots and you were buying the stripped down version and now you're going to a Schedule C, you might have to buy the higher version mm-hmm. that, that can handle the Schedule C. All right. Um, now you could also now if it's going to be a big encore career, then you could talk to your attorney about incorporating either right. S corporation or limited liability company for a lot. You know, personal and you might want to get purposes. also the tax preparer's input or the, the CPA's input to get maybe which business is more tax favorable for you to file based on what income you think you're going to get. And right. So you might want to get, which is what we do with it. You know, get people in the room talking to each other so that you're. You know, sometimes we have people come in after the fact, oh, I was supposed to talk to an attorney like, or I yeah, I or, didn't run that by my CPA. So you miss opportunities because you didn't know what to ask. For example. Or who to ask. Right. So, for example, under the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we've got the new tax deduction to up to 20% mm-hmm. deduction for your side hustle. Right. Okay. Um, but you got to qualify. All right. If you have too much income, you may be disqualified. If you have certain income, but you know the, the threshold's pretty high. But the are you familiar with these? See, this is why it may you know, it may be worth it for you if you were doing your own taxes because it was very simple because it was just a W two. That's all right. you were doing, and now you're going to a side hustle where you're self employed, filing a Schedule C or props. You know some of these other issues. It may be well worth you to hire somebody to help you navigate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now. Um, the other thing too, is once you, if you have a self-employment business and let's say you, you do really well at it and you like, Ooh, this tax is going to, cause some people don't go cold Turkey Carrie. You know, right. In other words, they may still, or if it's a couple situation, one still may be a W2 right. and getting their full wage. And then the, the spouse is getting some side hustle money right? and, but they don't really need it for cash flow. Mm-hmm. That particular year. Right. Okay. Well, being self-employed, you have the ability to fund your own retirement plan. Right. So you may want to do that to offset the taxes. Okay. Especially it's, it's in, and and I'm talking if it's just like a sole proprietorship. Right. Now, if you're talking, you've got an encore career where you've got 20 employees. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm talking about, you know, you are in, you hang a shingle and you're, and you're, you know, doing something. So there's a solo 401k plan. There's a SEP IRA. You know, there are various plans that you could do more than just the traditional IRA. And you may want to do that, especially if you're right at that threshold where you're going into that next tax bracket. Okay. And then back to the idea of saying, okay, because that may, if you're worried about paying taxes, well, you have the opportunity to say, well, if I, if I don't need my Encore career cash flow, all of it, I may be able to put some of that into, you know, a tax deferred plan that reduces my tax. Okay. Now the question is, all right, back to, well, how, when do I have to pay these taxes? Well, again, that gets back to the estimated tax safe harbors, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as you, you know, you got to pay them timely, it's okay if you don't pay all of them, you know, you can still owe on April 15th right. as long as you don't owe too much, Right. So, and if you're filing a Schedule C, it doesn't mean that, you know, as long as you're going to take care of your Social Security tax and your Medicare tax at the end when you file the return. Right. In other words, you don't have to like what the employees, the employers do. They, they're they sending it every time they withhold it from your right. pay. They have, what, how many hours to get it to right. the government? 
It's not that situation. No. You just got to even up with the government at the end. But you still use those safe harbors. You could go with the previous year's safe harbor and just say, well, I'm just going to pay 100% of my previous year's tax when I'm covered. Or if my adjusted gross income was greater than 150000 in the previous year, I got to bump up to 110%. Or I'm going with the current year safe harbor. And, you know, as long as I got 90% paid in, I've, I'm covered. So it's still those come into play. Um, so that's just a little bit about, you know, the idea that, if you're planning an encore career, um, you know, you do, you know, if you're not familiar with the tax changes, you know, you know get some help. You mm-hmm. know, you're going to be busy with your encore career. You know, get some help so, you you know, you can, you know, find the opportunities in a very complicated tax code. Right. And if you don't know what question, we don't do the tax preparation. We definitely do the tax planning um, piece and working with the existing, um, either our clients do their own taxes or, you know, having those conversations with the CPA or tax preparer, um, the estate planning team, we, you know, we're as much as we're on comprehensive, coordinated or custom plans, we believe in the coordination of advisors um, to get the best result possible. And the estate planning team offers a free, no obligation consultation for people um, to see if and how we can help you or if you can benefit from the type of planning we offer and take advantage of the consultation Um uh, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We'll call you back on Monday. And the consultations are free, no pressure. We have a home office in Middleburg Heights. We have offices around the greater Cleveland area and can do free consultations by phone. We also have the retirement planning class on March 13th at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights. Details are at the on the website at financialfoodforthought.com. The website also has calculators. You can sign up for the newsletter, other helpful information. And I know with taxes that we don't do. Another thing that we do for our clients, though, is make sure because we get so much detailed into planning, we look at their tax returns. We're asking, we have clients that come in with all their tax information before they go to the CPA to make sure nothing was missed. We've talked about on those previous shows on, if you go to WHK Radio, you can hear the podcast. But every year, make sure that this is what I expected on my 1099. Is the gross amount correct? Is the federal withholding correct? Is the Ohio withholding correct? Every year we catch every year we catch a few incorrect 1099s or a few errors where the CPA incorrectly inputted something or the, right. or you at home some of our clients oh I missed this one or I didn't input Ohio and so we try to be proactive in helping people to and it's easy if you only have one or two accounts but some people have multiple accounts and making sure you know that as a double check for our clients. Right. So there's a lot of coordination going on right now at the estate mm-hmm. planning team with our clients' tax preparers. They've come to expect it. Right. And then looking ahead. I mean, the the tax plan that we do, I know a lot of people, and I'm sure Mark will talk about it this year, because a lot of people who maybe were itemizing before with the new higher standard deductions, which hopefully will benefit more people um, than not, um, that if you're taking the minimum required distribution, but you're also giving money to charity, that qualified charitable distribution concept can help lower your adjusted gross income. And your CPA may not mention it as they're preparing a ton of tax returns. Right. So we, it's always, you know, the idea that we know what questions you need to be asking some of your other advisors. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned the small business deduction for the federal under the new law, but also Ohio has got mm-hmm. a great small business deduction to boot. Um, so the class coming up, Carrie, this week. So this is one of our most popular classes. Uh, and it's really right. You know, people say, well, Mark, what's the class about? It's really right out of the headlines. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the topics that we talk about, you know, here's just some of the recent ones. Not Me- the political headlines. Medicare driving health care <laughs> cost spending is boomer's age. Most economists see U.S. recession by 2021. Um, what to do if you're forced to retire before you're ready. Well, that can help and for many reasons. How to invest your savings if you're nearing retirement. The newest way older Americans are putting their retirement at risk. My generation has the, this generation has the most debt, and it's not the millennials. You know who it is, Karen? Baby boomers? No, your generation. Oh. X generation. Um, Another challenge in retirement, student loans. Okay. More parents struggle to repay loans they borrow for their children's education. You know, a lot of topics, you know, so this is what the idea, and it's all around the idea that what everybody's biggest fear Let's get back to the baby boomers. The biggest fear is that they don't want to run, you know, they don't know when they can retire because they don't want to run a money before life. And what gives you peace of mind there is having a custom financial plan based on your numbers, your goals, your objectives. Before you start running around and saying, what products do I need to buy? You know, first, do you have a formal written plan that is a working tool for you? And that's what most people don't have. So in this class, we talk about that. Now, you, you know, we talk about, you, you know, the rules, you know, the, the, you know, how about the 50, 30, 20 rule and then, and then, and the 4% rule, you know, are these no longer valid? No, it's just, do you know how to customize them to make them, you know, appropriate for your own mm-hmm. circumstances? Right. So that's what we'll talk a lot about. So back to the March madness. So, and are you looking at an echo recur? You know, so Karen, remember I mentioned a while ago that. A lot of people want to, you know, they don't know, they want to buy a business, right? In other words, they, right. they, they don't have, you know, they want to maybe a franchise, right? Remember I was mentioning right. the Steak and Shake. Yeah, that they were reasonable. Well, they've upped their uh, ad. Oh, okay. At, an ante. They've upped the ante. So remember before, I mean, so if you're not familiar, if you didn't hear that show, what I was saying is that the Steak and Shake, everybody knows those restaurants, right? They've been running ads in the local papers all across the country because they're completely revamping their franchise business, hmm. where before you would need $1 to $2 million really to get going because you had to buy right. the land, you had to build the building to their specs, right. and then you had to, you know, right. and what? so they've got these places all over the country. Mm-hmm. You know, the best locations have already been picked. Right. All right. And the, and apparently the people that own those, maybe they're retiring or dying or whatever. So so they're completely revamping. And so now what they're doing is they're making a deal where you could actually go in with them for a $10,000 investment. You become the manager of that business and you split the profits 50-50. Not a bad deal. If so, that's something you're interested. Right. And so how do they up the ante? So now the ads have an even bigger print. Guaranteed minimum first year. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said fifty percent of the profits. You only really know how much I'm. Yeah. Back. What if the business? I don't know how many Benjamins well? are coming to me, right. baby. Right. What if it's not really profitable? Yeah. Well, if it, yeah. I mean, what if, yeah. What if my ten thousand dollar investment doesn't even yeah. give me ten thousand of income the first year? So now they up their ad. Okay. Guaranteed minimum first year, one hundred G's. Wow. So I, that's a good return on ten thousand. Is it real? I don't. I would guess you'd have to lock in a certain amount of years. Okay. 
But some people say, well, Mark, I really don't know if I want my Encore career to be running a uh, steak and shake. Right, because they want you to be, you know, willing to operate full time. Because that, that's not exactly what I'm interested in doing. That's not my hobby, right? Because I really want a hobby career. Right. I don't want another full-time job. Okay. I really want to say I really want to do my hobby more in retirement mm-hmm. and have people pay me to do it and so I can write it off. Okay. As a you business. have to be careful. All right. Okay. Um so, yeah, you better be careful, right? Because there's been some court cases where people maybe have gotten a little bit too aggressive on, you know, taking deductions and credits and things like that when there really is no profit margin, mm-hmm. you know, or a history of never making a profit, right? So it's the hobby loss rules that we talk about. But this one, this particular um, Estelle Granger, ever heard of Estelle Granger? No. Okay. She went a little too far Okay. in her hobby. This is um, for you uh, tax court case you know, fanatics like me, this is tax court memo 2018-117. Okay. Okay. United States tax court. Okay. Um, and let's see what she, Estelle, um, Internal Revenue Service determined deficiency of $4,985 and a late filing addition to tax $142. Okay. So what was going on? Well, Estelle was a retired grandmother who was fond of shopping. Okay. Okay. So seeking to combine her love of shopping with a desire for a tax cut, she developed in 2010 what she described at trial as her personal tax shelter. Having learned that a taxpayer may generally claim a charitable contribution deduction in the amount equal to the fair market value of donated property, she assumed that the fair market value of a retail item is the dollar amount shown on the price tag. Oh, no. Do you know, like, markups? Like, I never pay retail full price. You wait. I mean. You know, or, you know. For, <laughs> you can never. I've never paid the full price on a price tag well, at retail. Well, Estelle thought she saw an opportunity, Carrie. Yeah. Estelle okay. should have just paid more attention to, like, sale, good so, sales and coupons. If she could find items that have been heavily discounted from the amount shown on the original price tags, she could achieve a net tax benefit simply by buying and immediately donating the items. Okay, so I bought something for a hundred dollars, but I got it on sale for forty. I'm going to claim the donation of a hundred because that's the value of it. Sounds good to Estelle. All right. Well, I don't think it sounded good to any like okay. any tax court. Um, and you know where she liked to purchase? Where Talbots. That's a high end store, and they have deep discounts. Well, it's still their deep discounts is very still expensive. Okay, um, she would look for clothing that had been heavily discounted, out of season items, for example. Okay, and purchase dozens or hundreds of these items over the course of the year. As a valued customer, she would thus become entitled to Talbot's points or appreciation dividends, which she could then deploy to get further discounts. So she didn't keep this stuff for herself or some of it. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what she wore to court, Carrie. <laughs> but I mean, you know, whatever. All right. Um, Sounds like she has a problem. Not if you're just so buying. So typically, she for ten bucks, she'd get something that had original retail price of hundred. Wow. Then she would turn around and drive to Goodwill. What? And because uh, she would immediately drop them off at Goodwill, and then get claim the charitable contribution deduction of a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think this is going well. Yeah, I was going to say fair market value doesn't mean purchase price. 
I think that's where her she's confusing definitions. So uh, on her 2010 tax return, she reported non-cash charitable contributions of $18,288. The figure grew to $32,000 in 2011. Mm, and yeah. 34000 in 2012. Yeah, red flag, red flag, red flag. Okay. Um, you know, and then she started getting fan mail from the IRS. I believe it. Okay. Um, now, she, you know, she thought she was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, it, let's see. She described her donations as dresses, jackets, and other items of clothing, and she listed the donees as various goodwill donation centers. She described her valuation method as a fair market value, by which we assume she meant fair market value, you know, FMV. You know, right. What everyone thinks she meant fair market value. Now, one of the problems is none of the forms 8283 were executed by any goodwill official, which the form explicitly requires. Right. You mean she didn't get a receipt? Well, that was ever, like, filled out by someone at Goodwill. Right. She had the forms. But no receipt. But no one signed them. Ooh, that's a problem. Okay, and there was no value put down on them. Right. I mean, I'm just crazy, Carrie. I'm not saying, but you think maybe she bought the $100 suit and then what she dropped off at the Goodwill was maybe something much that she got out of her old closet. Well, and that's the thing. Usually some charities don't always put a value like like that you donate. They'll put like four boxes of clothes. And it's your job to outline what you put there. But Um, yeah. Okay. Concluding that she did not use a qualified method to establish a fair market value of the donated items, the examination team, you know, reduced her deduction. I would guess because, yeah, retail is such a high markup. So retail value and fair market value, there's a huge uh, discrepancy in that. Okay. But Estelle wasn't satisfied. I bet. Well, she wasn't she had, happy. She thought with, she had a good gig going. Oh, yeah. She's going to tax court. Oh, okay. okay. I don't uh, think she'll win. She but. files a protest with the IRS appeals office. Good, good luck with that, Estelle. Which increased her allowable deduction to 6017 chiefly by you know revising her cost basis upward to include the points as well as the cash she had used to acquire the items. All right. Um, the case was tried October 30th of 2017. Okay. One week later, um, IRS moved amend to pleadings contending that um, they had erred in letting petitioner include the three thousand five. So the IRS came back and said, "Actually, it's it, we want to amend." And if she's filing a petition. We want to amend ours because really we think it's worse than what we built her before. Right after they look into it more detail. Yeah, so they're going the other direction. So maybe she should have just paid the discrepancy their, um, their uh, assessment in the first place. Estelle was also, you know, trying to get out of the accuracy related penalty. Okay. Um, well, then in December 2017, Estelle may have been realizing that maybe her her side gig wasn't going to work very well. It's not going anywhere good, right? So what would you do, Carrie? Of course. Stop doing it? File bankruptcy. Oh, how can you file? So she's saying this is a business that's all charitable? Um. Yeah, it really wasn't a business. It was just a charitable. Her right. business was I'm, a charitable. Doctor. But I'm saying, yeah, if you're just buying things to donate, I don't know how one she legitimately caused that a business. So I think she started losing faith that she was going to win in tax court. So she files bankruptcy. Based on what your own? Just saying, I'm you know I, I'm not. I have no money, and I'm not gonna. I don't have to pay my debts. 
Because I think I'm not going to get out of this debt that, you know, the fan oh, mail. I would I think read. that wouldn't fly either. Yeah, because, see, bankruptcy does not necessarily, uh, you know, discharge you your for... tax debt. Right. Okay. Um, so petitioner had moved the bankruptcy court to reopen her case to determine whether the 2012 federal tax liability, the subject of this case, had been discharged. Okay. Um Okay, the, on April 5th, 2018, the parties filed a joint status report informing the court that the bankruptcy judge had answered the question in the negative. Mm, go figure. Okay. Um, you know, and so so it, it really, it, you know, it, it just got, now, why am I bringing this case up? Okay. It's not the case that I think that you're going to go out and do this, but we do get a lot of questions from clients about what can I deduct under charitable contributions? Because one of the things that did not really get changed with the new tax law was how your charitable contributions are deductible. Now, but a lot of people will not be able to no longer deduct charitable contributions per se because it won't get them over the new higher standard deduction. Right. So it really doesn't matter anyway. So, you know, that's, you know, so, uh, you know, now, so, um, Section 170 allows a deduction for any contribution made with a taxable year to a charitable organization. Such deductions are allowable only if the taxpayer satisfies statutory and regulatory substantiation requirements. Okay, the nature of the required substantiation depends on the size of the contribution and on whether it is a gift of cash or property. For all contributions of property other than money, the taxpayer must maintain reliable written records that include the name and address of the donee, the date and location of the contribution, and the description of the property in detail reasonable under the circumstances. Okay. Um, tax, the, tax, the tax case also says, you know, the taxpayer must also maintain records to establish the fair market value of the property at the time the contribution was made and the method utilized in determining the fair market value. For all contributions valued at $250 or more, the taxpayer must obtain a contemporaneous written acknowledgement from the donee. Okay, this, you know, we call that a CWA, right? Mm -hmm. The CWA must include, among other things, a description of any property other than cash contributed. Okay, Um, now, in the absence of a CWA meeting the statute's requirements, no deduction shall be allowed. Okay, you know, additional substantiation requirements are imposed for contributions of property with a claimed value exceeding $500. She was a little bit over that limit, right? A little bit. Um, Still more rigorous substantiation requirements are imposed for contributions of property, which a claim value exceeding $5,000. Okay. In determining whether donations of property exceed these thresholds, similar items of property must be aggregated. Okay. Um, The term similar items of property and defined to mean property of the same generic category or type, such as clothing. So she would have to add up all her clothing and then see as that's over this five thousand dollar, you know, limit. Right. That, you know, well, okay. and you know what? Honestly, like TurboTax, and I'm not sure about other when I used to use it. Used to be able to give you the ranges in those categories. Donations okay. will give you a fair market value. All right. So if property or similar items of property are valued in excess of five thousand dollars, the taxpayer must substantiate the value of the property with a qualified appraisal of such property. Okay, uh, and and must also attach to a return a fully completed appraisal summary. So now they're even looking for third party appraisals. Right, not just your opinion of mm-hmm. what it's worth. 
Okay, because all the petitioners' donations were a similar property, clothing, they must be grouped together, which, you know, over the 5,000, okay, and, you know, the, the, the petitioner, you know, she claimed that the valid clothing was $34,000. Okay? a lot of clothes. And she did not obtain very expensive an appraisal. Okay. How do you think this is going so far? Not very well. Okay. Uh, so although the petitioner attached several forms, 8283, to a return, they were not executed by an official of the donor organization as Form 8283 explicitly requires. Okay. The receipts from Goodwill merely state that she donated clothing. They do not indicate what specific types of clothing she donated or the items, the number of items she donated on any particular visit. Okay. Um, so because she failed to employ the legitimate to determine the fair market value of the clothing, what do you think the court decided? Good. I was going to say, did she also get the dreaded 666 penalty? Um, well, she got something, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. In some, petitioner has failed to prove that she is entitled to a deduction for non-cash charitable contributions in excess of the amount respondent has allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would think that no, no. Uh, so the point being that you know, the old the old standard saying in tax planning, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. You've heard that before, mm-hmm. there, right? Um, so you know how do you know? So yeah, there's a lot of baby boomers out there, and we understand that that you're looking for a side hustle, you're looking for an encore career, you're looking to you know you, you don't think you know you got to get out of the rat race, but you don't have enough. Because you're, you you may be unlucky enough to live past age 90. Right. So the idea is it's okay. But if you've never done this before, let's get coordinated with the professionals that are needed so you don't get fan mail from the All right. IRS. Call the estate planning team for a free no-obligation consultation or come out to our May 13th retirement planning class for people who are working and thinking about their future retirement or people who are already in retirement. You can call the estate planning team at 440 440- 239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.